So I'm going to speak to you tonight about input needs output. Input needs output. Another way you could call it, are you a pond or are you a river? You pick, you can choose. We we'll give you options on titles today. Acts chapter 2, 42, it's the beginning of the church. This is the story, the church story getting started. Every story has to start somewhere. Your story, my story. My story started in the womb of an Irish mother. That's where my story started. Apparently, my mum told me a story years later that uh, I think six or seven months, eight months pregnant, she fell over in a car park because she'd had too much to drink and too many cigarettes. I was like, thank you, mum. <laughs> thank you for protecting me. Um, no one responding to that. It wasn't a ne neglectful mother. It was an amazing mother. It's just that the truth is back then, um, there was lots of people smoking and drinking when you weren't supposed to. And, uh, but I arrived okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Some of you still haven't got any humor. That's all right, that's okay. Some people are saying that's not humor. Okay, all right, all right. Let's move on, move on. But I started and whatever happened, um, God somehow had his hand towards me. For me, my God story didn't start till I was 23. Um, and you can say, you know, lots of things about that. But at the end of the day, that's when my story started in terms of me walking with Jesus. So others in the room, maybe you started earlier or maybe you're here and you're not even sure where you are in your God story. But the point is God just knows how to take us from wherever He finds us. Wherever we are, that moment of surrender is where I believe the most profound story God's story, faith story could ever, ever take place. It's just somehow that comes to a moment where you've got to surrender all that you are into the safe hands of God. And He takes you and He does what only He can do, molds you, shakes you, shapes you, and prepares you and constantly surrounds you as you go on this journey. So the church had a God story, had a start, had humble beginnings. And I'm going to read it to you because there's something about the that what happens when something comes into you, uh, something's got to come out of you. Something happens to the church right at the start. And, um, and what happened is that it caused them to do things and behave in certain ways that I believe was so honoring to God. And I really think we need to talk about it tonight because we live in the 21st century. We live in this moment in time. And, and if people ask the question, you know, um, what do you do when you need help? They do not consider the church ever. I've got a friend who lives in Moscow, pastoring the church in Moscow, Vatican, Anna. They're part of the Hillsong Church there. And they, I spoke to him a few weeks ago and he said the church has doubled. And I'm going, most people that I know, their church has halved. How come your church has doubled? He said, because people are scared. He's like, well, they don't know what to do. So they're like coming to church. And I'm like, that's not normal. Well, it's not normal in Berlin for sure. Our church isn't those scared coming to church. It's Christians leaving the church. And so it's a very interesting moment because it, it, it's something that we need to pay attention to is what's inside of us is going to come out of us. So what is in you? Spirit of fear or spirit of faith? You don't know what's inside of people until pressure is applied. 
And so I think it's important we can find in the, the New Testament, the book of Acts is where we find out that when uh, something comes out, it's because something was put in. So let's read it along. Um, many of you would know this. I mean, there are still people here probably tonight that never heard this, but that's okay. It's always the first time. Um, it's always a good time to, to hear God's Word. But all the believers devoted themselves, and you need to understand this word devotion. Devotion means they made room in their life, not time. Devotion doesn't mean make room. It means they made, sorry, it doesn't mean make time. It means it, they made room. It's a, it's a it, devotion. Uh, what, what is our faith? Our faith, you know, if you said you're a Christian, would people at work or in your surroundings be fearful of you? Maybe they're not fearful. Maybe they're judgmental. Maybe they're cynical, skeptical. All of these things would apply, I guess. But devotion is interesting because they were devoted, not fanatical, not fundamental, not anything else you could use as a scary way. They weren't extremists. If you mentioned to your friend or if you mentioned to your family, um, what did you do last night? I went to church. If you mentioned to your work colleagues tomorrow when you go to work, what did you do on Sunday? I went to church. What would their perceptions be? What would their, how would they take that? How would they perceive that? And very rarely is it perceived good. We've got neighbors where we live and they know what we do and they're like, man, they're so standoffish. It's like you could jump through a thousand hoops before they even think that you're, it's because it's just somehow people don't know what it is or they think they know what it is, which is even worse. And so this message tonight is crucial for us to understand what goes in has got to come out. All the believers devoted themselves. So it's like a mother to a child. Your faith should be a faith of devotion. It's a, it's a faith where you learn to make room, not just for yourself, but for others. It's a faith that makes room for the stranger, for the foreigner, for those who are outside, who are not really considered to be inside. It's, a, it's something that describes so richly what our faith is. So the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and to sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miracle signs and wonders. It's amazing how miracles and wonders can happen when there's a receptive spirit in the room. I think most people don't see anything. It's because there's no expectancy for anything. You know, coming with a, you know, judgmental, critical, cynical, well, it, it, you, you just, you, there's no, there's, there's not an atmosphere for miracles and faith. And so a spirit of devotion, listen, spirit of devotion creates an atmosphere for miracles and wonders. You want to see some miracles? Why don't we start seeing some devotion? It, it, it's just the way it is. A deep sense of awe came over all of them and the apostles performed many miracles, signs and wonders. All the believers were met, met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property, possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together in the temple each day. 
and they met in homes for the Lord's Supper. And they shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship, those who were being saved. So let me just go through that again, okay? Because we can read this and really miss so much about what's going on. So they, they devoted, the believers devoted themselves, placed value to the apostles' teaching, input, to fellowship, involvement, and to sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer, focused. A deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miracles, signs and wonders, expectation. All the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had, common purpose. They sold their property and possessions and shared their money with those in need. Contribution, they worshiped together in the temple each day and met in homes for the Lord's Supper. Consistency, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Hospitality, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. Favor, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who have been saved in Christ. So if none of these things are happening, maybe there's not much devotion happening because the fruit of devotion is increase. And so many churches don't see increase, they see decrease. The last few years, the church in this land, in the Deutschland, Catholic and Protestant, whatever the denominations are, have gone back more than they've ever done in their history. So how do we reverse the curse? How do we get this back? Is it just descending into chaos and plundering into nothingness? What is it? We will always fill gaps with, we will always fill voids with someone or something. The problem is, is you can't build your future from a lie. The only way you overcome the lies is with the truth. And that's when it gets very complicated because what is truth and who's got it? And is there anything such called as absolute truth? So whatever we're doing, we have to understand if truth has got in, truth needs to get out. But if lie has got in, it's not gonna turn it into a truth. You don't receive a lie and then turn it into truth. If it's a lie, it will be out worked as a lie. But if it's an input of a truth, it's got to be outworked as a truth. You cannot turn a lie into a truth. And that's what you and I need to understand. So yeah, sing the songs, clap, 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 fill in your praise reports, nothing's changing, no one's going anywhere, because that is not what's going to change it. It's what's going in that's got to come out. And so really that's what the message is today is understanding input needs output. Input needs output. So there's a lot of things that came out here and I wanna read some of them, some of them to you. The believers place value. The reason value comes out is because value's been put in. Hello? If you have received value from God, then value's gonna come out of you. Because Jesus, last time I looked at the cross, He said, I'm gonna devalue so you can increase in value. God, Jesus Himself was broken so that we could be healed. So he, He's working hard to get you in. And now that you're in, something's gotta come out. So the believers placed value. They received input. They got involved. They stayed focused. They had expectation. 
They shared common purpose. They were willingly contributing. They stayed consistent. They showed hospitality. They enjoyed favour. They saw increase. All of these things are outward things. Increase is an outward thing. If you saw more people coming to the church, that's an outward thing. But it had to come from an inward conviction. Amen? All of these things, hospitality came out because there was a spirit of generosity on the inside. The reason they could contribute something is because they, because they could, come on, say it with me. The reason they could contribute is because they, the reason they could contribute is because they, they contributed something because they had something. Come on, say it with me. They contributed something. They had something. No one was forcing them or getting them to repeat statements. I'm not wanting this to be a hard night tonight because I'm not here to try and make anything hard, but it's really hard to communicate when there's a wall or there's a closeness or there's just an ungenerous spirit. And so that's what's going on right now is when there's devotion in the hearts of God's people, you watch what God does. But listen, if there's nothing of God going on, you always have to ask the question, because I don't think it's a God problem. I think it's a devotion problem. So my prayer tonight is that whatever you are doing to resist God, I don't know why you would resist God. You're not working for yourself actually, because anyone that resists God is working for the opposite of God. There is an enemy. And the Bible calls him a liar. And he's been a liar since the beginning. It's not yin yang. God had such a good week, the enemy's going to have a better week. The enemy is a defeated foe. The cross defeated all that the enemy could do towards humanity. You name me one person who solved the greatest enemy humanity has ever faced. You name me one person, one scientist, one Nobel Nobel Peace Prize winner. You name me one person who's defeated humanity's greatest enemy. What is humanity's greatest enemy? Death. You can freeze my cells in California. I can give you a lot of money to do it. Wake me up in a hundred years, baby, when you've solved the problem. But listen to me, you can't reverse the curse. The only person that's defeated death is Jesus himself. And through that defeat, he offers us the victory forevermore, and that is life eternal. So that's what's going on here. They were devoted, and because of that devotion, they started to live differently. Instead of looking inward, they looked outward. They started to see things differently. Your lens begins to change. Your filters are changed. You can scroll yourself and and get yourself a Paris filter or an LA filter or you can get any filter you want that's available to you. But at the end of the day, the only filter that really makes the world truly beautiful is the filter called Jesus. 
And so there was something going on on the inside that caused them to live differently. And my prayer is for us here in Berlin is that something going to happen to us that's going to cause us to live differently. The Lord was able to add to them because they turned input into output. What they received, they gave away freely. So the question is, are you a pond or are you a river? A pond, a reservoir, whatever you want to call it, it has no outlet unless it's a man-made outlet. But ponds or reservoirs, um, it's, it's, it's where water is captured. But in the worst case scenario, a pond, if it has no output, it has no input, except the rainfall that comes, eventually that water will turn into septic water. And I wonder how many believers have input, but they have no output and they wonder why they get sick. Maybe they're not physically sick, but maybe their soul is not what it should be. Supposed to know Jesus, but what's coming out? And so I don't believe God created us to be ponds. I believe He's created us to be rivers. Rivers need a source. Many years ago, there was a lot of effort put into finding the source of the Nile. I've seen the Nile. I've been on the Nile. I didn't swim in the Nile because I still think there's crocodiles there, but... But I crossed the Nile several times every day when we were there and, 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 and it's the most amazing river when you hear about the hear it, hear it, hear it, hear it and then you're sit, sitting on it. And if you look at the right direction, the, flo- the boats that have been there for thousands of years and, 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 and the sun has risen and there's so much of, of the landscape that hasn't changed, it's not hard to use your imagination. Now, apart from it being highly polluted today <laughs> anyway, but it's moving. And I was surprised because I thought it was going that direction, but it wasn't, it was going that direction. It's just one of these funny things when you see these things, you're like, wow. But the Nile has a source. In fact, it has multiple sources. Many of the world's rivers, they have a source. But what I'm trying to say to you is, if you're a river, who's your source? A river is supposed to keep moving. A river is supposed to keep flowing. The reason people were nourished and blessed by anyone who lived by a river. Uh, I was in Budapest this week and it's all built. The city was built around a river. Buddha and Pest. One side's got hills and the other hasn't. But the point I'm making is, is that a lot of humanity has been blessed by living by rivers. Because the river is not stagnant, it's flowing, it's moving. And the, the metaphor of the river of God is, is real. But I need you to understand this is, is, is what's, what's your source? Who's your source? And what is you allowing to flow through you? Are you allowing the, the beautiful river of God in you to be polluted and full of garbage and full of rubbish? I mean, is it full of toxins already? God didn't put a polluted river in you. He put a pure river in you. And yet it's our responsibility to make sure it's not full of rubbish. I didn't dive in the Nile because of crocodiles. I dived in it because it's probably going to kill me. So River Thames, I lived in London for seven years and I so wanted to swim across that river. It didn't look too far, but many times I was told, don't do it, don't do it. You come out, you'll have a skin disease. The thing I'm saying here is is Jesus didn't give you a polluted river. He gave you a pure river, a river of joy, a river of peace, a river that is holy. You're not supposed to fill the river of God in your life with toxins. 
pollute what God has cleaned. If He's cleaned your house, keep your house clean. If He's cleaned your river, keep your river clean. It is up to you to keep your river clean. It is up to you, your spirit, your responsibility. But you see, something came out of them and it wasn't pollution, it was healing. Someone came out of them and it wasn't toxic, it was redemptive. And so if we're gonna build a church in the 21st century, we've gotta stand up and shake off the rubbish and the nonsense and whatever we've allowed to pollute the river of God. And we have gotta get back to what is it that God has given us? That's what needs to flow because that's where the increase comes from. It's not what we do, it's what He does in us and through us. One of the biggest challenges we face in this culture, in this city, is self-sufficiency. I got just enough to not need God. So what gets in needs to come out. Proverbs 13 verse 20, be friends with those who are wise and you will become wise. Choose fools to be your friends and you will have trouble. So what's he talking about? Association. It's possible to become wise by association of wisdom. It does matter who you hang around. It does matter what you listen to. Again, if your river is pure and you associate with unclean, then you're gonna make sure that what's gonna happen is, is that the un, uh, unpleasant things are gonna get into your river. What's coming out of you? Well, no, let's ask the question better than that. What's coming into you? The eyes are the window of the... Thank you for the three people that know that. You wanna really know what's going on in someone, look in their eyes. Oh, that's creepy. No, it's not creepy. Just look into their eyes. I got green eyes, Irish green. Some of you got brown eyes. Some of you got pretend blue eyes. But listen to me, association, association, association. Who you talk with, who you walk with, who do you learn from, and who you receive from. I'm, I'm of an attitude, you can learn from anybody, you can learn from anything. But you gotta understand at the end of the day, don't let anyone or anything get on you. I, I've got a saying, and, and I know it's a funny saying, and I have to explain it if anyone's translating. Tabasco sauce in the milk. Has anyone drank milk with Tabasco sauce in? I wish I could do that for you right now. It would be such a good illustration. Tabasco sauce, who likes it? Give us a wave, Tabasco sauce. Some of you do, amen. Who likes milk? Who likes almond milk, oat milk? Oh, look at that, oh, look at that. Hands are going up everywhere. Different generation, different generation, different generation. But if I put Tabasco sauce in the milk, it would look like milk until you drank it. That's what it's like with people. Look amazing until you hang out with them. Look great on the outside, but my goodness, what got inside of you, girl? Or what got inside of you, Mr. Handsome? See, this is what's going on all the time. Input, output, output, input. 
if we're the church, there needs to be something coming out of us that is redemptive, that is healing, that is joyous, that is hopeful. And I told you, you can't get a, you can't get truth from a lie. It doesn't matter how much you wish it, how much you try never going to turn a lie into the truth. Jesus needs to get in so the real you can get out. Water baptism needs to get in so the real follower of Christ can come out. The Holy Spirit needs to get in so God's power can come out. And the Word of God needs to get in so faith can come out. Jesus needs to get in so the real you can get out. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 11 to 12, it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Do you know what you're living for? What are you living for? Living for just a job? Living for approval? Living for your parents? Living for an apartment? Living for the next holiday? I remember moving here a few years ago from London and, and, and I started living here for a couple of years, hanging out with people. And I was watching how people would work all year to go on holiday. And then when they went on holiday and they found out their plane was canceled. I mean, talk about passive aggressive. I worked all year for this holiday and you told me that that flight's canceled? Yeah, that's what happens when you fly Ryanair. It's never cheap. You always pay somewhere, somehow, somewhere along the line. 150 euros for my bag? I only paid two euros for it. Oh, can you feel the anger? Oh, some Tabasco sauce in the milk tonight. But listen to me, if Jesus gets in, the real you will come out. That's what it says. It's in Christ that you'll find out who you are and what you're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, He had His eye on us, His design on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose, He is working out, working out in everything and everyone. What He's putting in has got to come out. That's how God works. So the Jesus that gets in, is gonna help the real you get out, amen? So profound and yet it's exactly what God does. He doesn't make you a copy, a clone, copycat. He makes you just perfect the way you are. You learn to make peace with who you are. You should begin to realize that your height, your stature, your body, your outward appearance, instead of being told you're not good enough, don't measure up. You'll never be good enough, good looking enough, or you'll never be. What you know? It, it, all of these things that we're bombarded by constantly, these image wars that we constantly have to navigate. We have to understand we are the perfect picture that we could ever be. When you let Jesus in, the real you will come out. The amazing you, the no one like you. That's the journey that you and I have to embrace. But it starts when Jesus gets in.
someone has got to come out. It's not your sister, it's not your brother, it's not your cousin, it's not your mom, it's not your dad, it's you. Amen? And that's profound because God knows what He's doing. Amen? I think the other thing that's got to come out is when water baptism gets in. I always see people fight this, especially here in this part of the world. There's a big fight because there's something on the other side of it. If there's nothing on the other side of it, there would not be a fight, trust me. Because the enemy doesn't want his Christ followers to be obedient to God in water baptism. And if you've been sprinkled, it's not water baptism. It doesn't matter what you say or whatever you try to back it up with, it will never be water baptism because that's not what the Bible did. Jesus didn't get sprinkled. He went under the water and He came out of the water. It's a reference to full immersion. It doesn't matter what tradition says. It doesn't matter what anybody says. It matters what God has done Himself. Follow Jesus' example because it's the only example that's gonna lead you to what comes out next. You can be sprinkled if you want to because people care or people love or people know what they know at the time. There's nothing wrong with being raised sprinkled. It's just what do you do when you come to your own decision? When you become a person where you're no longer living according to what everyone else says, you're gonna follow Jesus about what He says for your life and your future. So water baptism gets in and the follower of Christ will come out. The reason a lot of followers of Christ don't come out is because they never actually go down into the spiritual grave called water baptism. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm not saying that you, when you die, you go to heaven. But the goal is not heaven, people. The goal is bring heaven to earth. I mean, trust me, if the goal was heaven, I mean, we could all solve that quickly. What are you talking about? Become a... What do you mean? What are you talking about? Become a Formula One driver without the training and you'll be in heaven. It's fast. But what I am saying to you is, listen to me, water baptism needs to get in so the follower of Christ can come out. Romans chapter six, listen to this. So what do we do? Keep on sinning so God can keep on forgiving? I should hope not. If we left the country where sin is sovereign, how can we still live in our old house there? Or didn't you realise we packed up and left there for good? That is what happened in baptism. When we left, went under the water, we left the old country of sin behind. And when we came out of the water, we entered into a new country of grace, a new life and a new land. That's what baptism in the life of Jesus means. When we are lowered into the water, it is like the burial of Jesus. And when we are raised out of the water, it is like the resurrection of Jesus. Each of us is raised into a light-filled world by our Father, so we can see where we are going in our new grace, sovereign country. Water baptism's got to get in so that you can see where you're going in the land of grace. Water baptism's got to get in so it will help you to see where you're going in the land of grace.
Amen. Water baptism, water baptism, water baptism. And I would encourage anyone in this room that's not water baptized to do something about it. And it would be our greatest joy to help you with that and to help you see that through. Because seriously, when water baptism gets in, the follower of Christ comes out. You can't make it more public. Heaven already knows you belong to Him. Your name's already in the Lamb's book of life. The problem is, is no one else knows, really. So you make it public. That's what water baptism is. It's public. You're letting your friends and your family know, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus. I declare to you before friends and family, I choose Jesus. He chose me. And here I am, under the water, out of the water. Hallelujah! Does it remove all the problems? No, it's just that as a follower of Christ, you're more equipped than you ever were. But water baptism's got to get in and I'm not going to uh, necessarily pick a fight with people. I'm just going to stick to the Word of God because I'm telling you, it's the followers of Jesus that the world needs to see. They don't care we're in a hotel. We've got a big old building here that consumes a lot of money to keep it going and we have to pay through times and offerings to rent a room like this. And I got no problem with any of it. The fact is, is let's just keep moving. Let's keep going in Jesus' name. Whether it's a traditional building or whether it's a hotel, I don't know. I just know this. Water baptism's got to get in so the follower of Jesus is going to come out. And this is so much more that we could talk about this. Could it be any clearer? Our old way of life was nailed to the cross with Jesus. A decision and a, de a decisive end to that sin miserable life. No longer, a no longer at sin's every beck and call. What we believe is this, if we get included in Christ's sin conquered death, we also get included in His life-saving resurrection. We know that Jesus was raised from the dead. It was a signal of the end of death as the end. Never again will death have the last word. When Jesus died, He took sin, sin down with Him. But alive, He brings and speaks a dead to us. From now on, think of it this way. Sin speaks a dead language that means nothing to you. God speaks your mother tongue and you can hang on to every word. You are dead to sin and alive to God. That's what Jesus did. No wonder the enemy doesn't want you to get water baptized. Holy smoke. The Word of God needs to get in so faith can come out. The Word of God needs to get in so faith can come out. The reason there's no faith in God's people because there's possibly no Word going in. Sitting in a service doesn't make you a faith person. It just makes you, it just makes you, it just makes you here. But Hebrews chapter 11, verse six, it's impossible to please God without, it's impossible to please God without, it's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to Him must believe that God exists and that He rewards those who sincerely seek Him. Faith, faith, 
faith. You get water baptized in faith. You get saved in faith. You respond by faith. You hear His name and you respond by faith. You give by faith. You serve by faith. Everything on earth is by what is faith? Faith is a declaration of your trust. But you're not trusting a phantom. You're not trusting an image. You're not trusting a system. You're not trusting an institution. You're not trusting an ideology. You're not trusting a man. You're not trusting a woman. You're not trusting a government. You're trusting the person of Jesus who died and rose again and lives forevermore. You are trusting the one who came, who always is, who always was. You are trusting God who created all things. You're not trusting anyone. You're trusting your Creator. You're trusting your Heavenly Father. Trusting the one that knows you better than you know yourself. You need to understand if God gets in, God's got to get out. And that is the most profound thing that you and I will ever do with our lives. It's not what we create. It's not even what we invent. It's not even what job we do. It's that God would put Himself in us and then want to work His way out through us. Which makes it amazing that the God of the universe can come out of all this diversity. And so when a child is born, don't ever, ever forget that's a bit of God coming into the earth. And though our children sometimes can be taken out before they even a chance to live, when a child comes into the earth, there is opportunity in that child and there is potential in that child that blows our minds. You don't know what they can create. You don't know what they're going to invent. You don't know what they're going to design. But God didn't create children to destroy. And yet you ask the scientists who figured out nuclear power and the atom bomb. You ask the Israeli scientists that went over to France and the French scientists taught them everything to do with nuclear fusion, nuclear energy, nuclear power. They realized as they come closer to all of this, they became frightfully aware of the amount of power that they were coming close to. And you know what the story is because many of us know we don't just use nuclear for our energy, for our, our sustainability. And we got no way of really figuring out what do we do with nuclear waste. But the problem is, it's not just that. It's also nuclear capability. And it's also the armament of different countries around the world. Who's got it and who hasn't got it. And we think that we're safe with all of that. No, at the end of the day, I'm talking about even greater power than that. And the power of God, the power of the name of Jesus, the power that is above all powers. And you haven't been given a nuclear bomb. You've not been given the ability to split the atom, but what you have been given is even greater. It's the one who is above all neutrons, atoms and protons. His name is Jesus. He's the Prince of Peace. He's the one that lives in you. Get a revelation of what's in you so it can come out of you. Because what comes in you has got to come out. And if God is in you, then it needs, He needs to come out. Amen. And He's going to come out through your uniqueness. 
is going to come out through your songs, through your praise, through your activism, and through your faith, and through your declaration, and through your belief, and through your passion, and through your energy. You want to bring some God into the world? Start moving. Start breathing. Start working. Start praying. Start singing. Start declaring. Start being who God's called you to be. The voice, your voice, with the name of Jesus, is the most powerful voice on earth and in heaven. All the angels, the Bible says, stands to attention when the name of Jesus is declared. You know on a natural level when the name of the king is mentioned, when the name of the queen is mentioned. You name, when the name of the chancellor is mentioned or when someone of importance or stature, when their name is mentioned, it's amazing how people respond. Well, it's the name of Jesus. And I pray that you will not be unfamiliar with the name of Jesus. I pray that you will allow the name of Jesus to get in so the name of Jesus can come out, amen. So what has got into you? Fear or faith? Have you received a spirit of faith? Or have you received a spirit of fear? Because there is no fear in God's perfect love. You've received the everlasting, unconditional, perfect love of God. And it's His love. It's His love for you. It's His love in you that is going to start to make its way out of you. And you need to consider yourself a highly valuable, highly important person for the things of God. And the lie is, look what you did last week. The lie is the enemy will keep saying, remember what you did in the past. God wouldn't use you. Why are you? Uh, li don't listen to what he says. The man with the mic, oh, don't listen to him. No, don't listen to me. Listen to the word of God. hundred times better. thousand times better. You need to start listening to your father because he knows who you are and He knows what's inside of you, and He knows what He can do through you. And there's nothing like it in Jesus' name. Amen.